Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 23rd of January, 2024. Flyers Daily, as always, presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. Um, Flyers back in action tonight. They will be at home to wrap up a four-game homestand. Tonight, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning, who have won five of their last six. They lost their last one 2-1 to to the Detroit Red Wings where the Flyers will be on Thursday to take on Detroit. And then the Flyers will wrap up their pre-All-Star break gameplay with the game Saturday afternoon. It's Mark Recchi Hall of Fame induction day. And they'll take on the Boston Bruins. Flyers' first look at Boston. Hard to believe they haven't faced Boston yet, but Boston, really good team, sitting in the top spot of the Atlantic Division with 65 points. The team they're facing tonight, the Flyers, are the Tampa Bay Lightning. They've played 47 games. They're 24-18-5. and five. They're actually tied for the fourth spot in points uh, with the Detroit Red Wings, but the Red Wings have played one less game. Tampa is plus two in goal differential, seven and three in their last 10. And like I mentioned, they lost their last one. Flyers come in, still sitting in that second spot of the Metropolitan Division, 56 points, uh, one ahead of the Carolina Hurricanes, the now Patrick Waugh, Led New York Islanders got a win in his debut. They've got 51 points. Caps with 50. The Devils with 49. And the Pittsburgh Penguins with 48. It's pretty amazing when you look at this division. You look at the Islanders. So the Flyers. Oh, let's start there. The Flyers plus 9 in goal differential. The Canes in the third spot plus 15 in goal differential. Then you look at the Islanders minus 20. You look at the Caps minus 24. You look at the Devils minus 4. And then the Penguins in the seventh spot plus 15. That's kind of an outlier situation. You look at the Atlantic Division, the top five teams are all plus in goal differential and in ascending order from 38, 22, 13, 11, 2. Um, And then the bottom three teams are all negative in goal differential. So the Flyers will look to be on the plus side of the goal differential game tonight when they face the Tampa Bay Lightning, who... You know, all these years later, and we're going to look at Tampa's drafts over the years, I think it's a fascinating element of the run that they've been on now for many years, that they're a team that's got just such depth, and it's had such depth, and it checks the three boxes that you need to have when it comes to the on-ice part of a hockey team, and somehow... With Steve Eiserman and Julian Breesbaugh, they were able to piece all of those together with the off-ice stuff of contracts and personalities and all of that. Uh, leading the way, though, is this guy is absolutely 100% in the Hart Trophy race, and it is Nikita Kucherov. 46 games, he's got 28 goals, 48 assists, 76 points, 10 power play goals, 24 power play assists. 194 shots on goal and shoots a 14.4 shooting percentage. He is an absolute dynamo. Uh, They've also got Braden Point, who they picked up in the third round. We'll talk about that in a moment. In 47 games played, he's got 48 points, 21 goals. And again, another dynamic power play player. They got a blue liner. That's a point per game player in Victor Hedman, nine goals and 36 assists. And Steven Stamkos, not the youngest of uh, players anymore, uh, but still having a decent season. 44 games, he's got 42 points, 19 of them goals, and uh, certainly been wearing the C there for a long time, and a guy that's still a leader in that group in the final year of his contract. Uh, we'll see where things go 
in the future for Steven Stamkos. Uh, but this Tampa Bay Lightning team, it's not just about forwards, not just about D. It's also about goaltending. One of the reasons why they didn't get off to the greatest start this year is they were missing their 19th overall pick and number one overall uh, number first round pick in Andre Vasilevsky. He's only played 23 games. Uh, Jonas Johansson has actually played 22 because Vasilevsky uh, was not ready to start the season. Uh, Johansson has an 894 save percentage, team save percentage of 897. And Vasilevsky's not having his best statistical season, a 901 save percentage and a 283 goals against average, a record of 13 and 10 on the year. But obviously, we've seen Vasi in years past. He is as dynamic a goaltender and freak the way he plays the position um, that I think we've ever seen. Just an unbelievable goaltender. Um, at He's got everything in his arsenal. Um, so obviously a difficult one to beat on any given night, even when he maybe isn't having his best year and started out the year dealing with an injury. But Vassie will have something to say if he gets the start tonight against the Philadelphia Flyers. We'll see who the Flyers go with. Uh, do they go with Carter Hart? I think things in this month of January where it's been a ton of games in a short period of time, three and four, five and seven, you know, these kind of elements in the schedule where there's so much hockey. I think a lot of times in these spots, this is where a coaching staff along with the goalie coach and the head coach and all of them, the general manager will all talk and they'll almost schedule those starts out to make sure that, you know, no goaltender gets tired to not be able to turn in a quality start and that, both are getting action in very busy schedule months. It's why you need two goaltenders in today's NHL. You know, back in the day, you know, in, in the 70s, 80s, even 90s, goaltenders are playing north of 70 games. You know, a, a good workload for a goaltender now is probably in that range of 55, maybe to 62. Vasilevsky is one of those guys who never wanted to come out. In, in today's modern NHL, one of the best jobs to have would be the backup of Andre Vasilevsky. Not, well, pro- just because you're not going to play a lot. That doesn't make it, make it an easy job to not play a lot. Uh, but he is a guy who, you know, back in 17-18, played 65 games. A couple of years ago, played 63 games. Played 60 last year. It's probably a little too much. You'd probably like to bring that number down a little bit. Uh, but uh, he obviously isn't going to play that kind of total this year. Um, but it's one of those things when if you've got two goaltenders, like the Flyers do with Carter Hart and Sam Harrison, well, you've really got an advantage, a huge, huge advantage. you got two guys that have save percentages north of uh, 9-10, two guys that can absolutely steal a game for you, and it wouldn't be a shock. Two guys that can play in a tight game and you know get it over the goal line uh, with a you know a lot of pressure in a third period. That's a massive advantage in today's NHL, and the Flyers have that advantage. It's a big reason why they are where they are in the standings. But when you look at Tampa, you know we remember the you know the year that they got knocked out in the first round by John Tortorella's Columbus Blue Jackets. They didn't just get knocked out; they got swept in the first round. And then they came back. They made a couple of moves that offseason. They picked up Blake Coleman and, uh, you know, got some grit on that team. And 
Pat Maroon was there to provide a little bit of sandpaper. And all of a sudden, they're a team that went on a run of winning two, going to another. And you look at the way they're built. Now, first and foremost, I think that Tampa and some other markets in the NHL have an advantage in a salary cap sport, a hard cap sport. It's a no-income tax state. So a player can sign in Tampa and bring home the same amount of money that another team would have to pay him considerably more for, whether that's New York or California, whatever it might be, Canadian market. So you can sign there for less and bring home more. And I think that is a, a huge advantage. I'd love to see maybe the NHL tackle that at some point. But when you look back at the drafting and development, and that's what we're going to talk about in this episode, because it is so important, and how you draft, not just in round one, not just at the top of the draft. Now, they did get some players at the top of the draft. They drafted Stamkos, number one overall in 08. They drafted uh, Victor Hedman, number two overall in 2009. But you look at years after that, Radko Gudis, for example, has played 722 games in the NHL. He was drafted 66th. You look at uh, the 2011 draft for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, they take Nemestikov in the first round, 27th overall. He's played almost 700 games. You look where they took Kucherov in that draft, 58th overall in the second round, 690 games. And by the way, he's got 805 points. Um, you just see this all over you know, their drafts. You see guys with huge game numbers, game total numbers in the NHL. Even Andre Palat was a seventh-round pick. He's played 712 NHL games, and he's got 460 points. You look in every year of their draft, and you see these huge numbers. Cedric Paquette in 2012, taken in the fourth round. Uh, they take in uh, 2014. You get Braden Point, 79th overall in the third round. Now, that's not just about identifying that guy as an NHL player. There's also a considerable amount of development that goes into that. I mean, you, you look at their 16 draft, and their top six picks— have all played almost 100 games. The only one that hasn't is Connor Ingram. Ross Colton, taken in the fourth round, 118th overall. Brett Howden, taken 27th in the first round. So you can get players. You have to identify them. You have to develop them. And I got this message on our, our YouTube channel in the comment section from Superior Living 4. He said, Forming a nucleus of guys I think we should build around, and then there's a wave or unit of play guys playing strong but need to score goals with all the energy. We still need that goal scorer, there's no doubt. He said, thank God we have a solid point-getting defense, but I don't want to burn out my defense for a lack of goals from the top six. Carter Hart can sharpen up, and these youngsters need to shoot the puck, uh, Tyson Forster in particular, or stand in front of the goalie if you're going to watch. He said, overall... I'm loving the development of this team. We have so much potential. And as the team develops, and that's about also individual development and developing those players that aren't the sure thing that's taken at the top of an NHL draft. It's developing them along the way. And again, development's not going to be this just straight line. It's all not going to be all incremental steps up. Sometimes there's a couple steps up, there's a step down. It's so important, I believe, that when a player hits a plateau or then takes a step down, how do you re-energize his development to go back up? That's a key, very 
key element in how you do that, how you approach that from a playing time standpoint, uh, a sharpening of skills and, and those kind of things, motivation and accountability. Those are all really important elements of development. I think accountability, look, players are, it's, it's the physical gifts and the skills they have and all of that stuff. But to make a player realize those things, 95%, 98% of the players in the NHL, you have to develop. And a huge element of getting them to develop is the environment that they're in and the accountability that they have for themselves and the accountability they're shown. I think that those two things, those three things, excuse me, are paramount to developing a player. And I'm going to give an example of a flyer player uh, that falls into this category. Now, he's done it over a couple of uh, coaches because he's been here for a few years. And I'm looking at Joel Faraby. He's 23 years old right now. He'll be 24 coming up on February 25th. I think sometimes we forget how young Joel Faraby still is. He was taken in the first round in the 2018 entry draft, uh, 14th overall. Played a year at Boston University, turned pro. He's now played, tonight will be his 300th NHL game. I cannot believe that Joel Farabee has played, is going to play his 300th game tonight. Uh, but he's played 299 games to this point. He's got 77 goals, 94 assists, 171 points, and uh, in over 16 minutes of ice time. He is a very important player for the Flyers. Very important. In his first year, he played in 52 games. Now, that's the 1920 season, so it's the shortened year where they only played 69 games. Uh, but in his first year, he had eight goals, 13 assists, 21 points. I thought that was a really good debut season um, for a guy in Joel Farabee's position where his body was physically. I mean, he was a kid it's still at that point. And we saw some of the elements in Joel Farabee of – having that knack of going to the right places and generating good scoring chances. But what he lacked in that season was finish. He couldn't finish around the net. He had to go away after that season, after the bubble, and add that element to his game. I remember talking to him about it in his exit interview that we did uh, virtual because it was still the pandemic at that time. And that w- he said that was the number one thing he was going to work on heading into the next season. And he did. So he came back the next year, his second season in the NHL. Uh, This is also a shortened season. It's the 56-game season in 2021, and he played 55 games that year, and he reached the 20-goal plateau. Now, in that shortened season, that was probably more like a 30-goal season in year two. He had 20 goals, 18 assists, and 38 points in 55 games that year. And a very good season. His shooting percentage... From 9.9 in his rookie year, and he scored eight goals in 52 games, it shot up to 16.4. That is an enormous jump. That's a guy who, through him and the organization, said, this is what you need to work on. This is how you need to develop your game further. You need to work on your finish. You need to work on your shot. You need to work on finishing in tight. And he did. And again, he had 20 goals that year. Came back in 21-22, played 63 games, had 17 goals, 17 assists. And then in 22-23, we know about the surgery in late June. And then the year he had last year, I felt like he was never caught up in the season fully, kind of chasing it. He ended up playing all 82 games, even though he wasn't even supposed to be back until Thanksgiving. 
uh, but he ended up with 15 goals and 24 assists. So a lot of people looked at that heading into this year with a guy that whose stock was down. Would he be able to get back on a development trajectory that was going up after his second season where he had a really good shortened season and then had a dip the, the two years after that? Could he reascend? Well, the interesting part of that is he's got, in 47 games this year, 17 goals, 22 assists, and 39 points. He has tied a career high in points for a season, 47 games into this one. And a lot of times we like to use the eye test too, not just the raw statistical numbers. By the way, his shooting percentage this year, uh, 15.5. So right back up as well. He was in the 10s last year. Uh, But you look at the eye test. You watch Joel Farabee play. He looks light years different than he looked last year. By my count of his 17 goals, I think 16 of them have been scored right around the blue paint. Go where the goals are scored. That's where they're scored. The only one I remember that was just an absolute raw shot was the 17th, the one he scored in the last game. On the power play when Zamula lets it over, you know, passes it over to the left side, and he goes off the bar and in. He's never been a pure shooter, but he is a player that will go to the blue paint and can make plays, and now, because of his development over the years, has added a ton of finish to his game. And the other interesting thing about Farabee is this, and I, going back to what I talked about before with accountability and, you know, part of development is learning how to be a pro, being there when the team needs you, game in, game out. I think those things are really important. And I've pointed this out with Travis Konechny in the past, and now I'm going to point it out with Joel Farabee. He went six games from the 24th of November to the 4th of December with no points in any of those six. And if we recall, there was a game where I think he played two shifts and he worked the door the rest of the game. He was stapled to the bench, and he handled it right. And I remember John Tortorella was asked, why was Joel Farabee benched? And he said he didn't listen. And at that time, they were having some issues with the neutral zone coverage when D crashed down the wall or D pinch, and the forwards got to read that play. He didn't, and one ended up in the back of the net early in that game. So 22 games since that drought, and he has not gone back-to-back games without a point since. He's got nine goals, 15 assists, 24 points in his last 22 games. He's a plus eight. He is a guy that's got two power play goals, seven even strength goals, a shooting percentage of 16.1%, and he's playing over 17 minutes a night. The development of a player from being just a player, a middle six or bottom six forward, is being a guy that you can rely on that's going to find a way to end up on the score sheet. And if he doesn't, you know he's going to get back on that thing the next day. Travis Konechny is that. Joel Farabee is becoming that. Again, the last 22 games, he hasn't gone back-to-back games without a point. He's becoming a core piece that you can rely on. That's development. When I see Tampa's drafts and I see those players playing so many games A lot of those players like Braden Point, Sorelli, Palat, they became that. 
And part of that is because the environment that was there of accountability and a high standard, organizational standard of play, conduct, and citizenship, basically. So Joel Faraby, look, I expect him to be a factor tonight. Why? Because he's been a factor a lot the last 22 games, and I expect him to be one tonight. It is the Flyers and the Lightning tonight. We'll break it down tomorrow. Join us then for a brand new Flyers Daily.